Warning, adults content. The views expressed by the guest is their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them. Please obtain appropriate medical and legal advice before you take any pharmacological drug or substance for health or other purposes. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Alex Avila with Love University, and we're back. I'm an author, psychologist, and speaker. Every week, we talk about how to love ourselves, others in a higher nature, how to improve our finances, career, health, and spirituality. And today, we have a very fascinating guest. This is Dr. Jahan Kama Sezadeh, um, who is a gentleman who's earned a master's degree in consciousness and transformation from the studies of John F. Kennedy University and his doctorate at California Institute of Integral Studies. He trained with the Mazatec Psilocybin Mushroom Lineage and conducts retreats on mushroom ceremonies in Jamaica. He's the author of the Psilocybin Connection as well, a book that had just came out. Welcome to the show, Johanna. Thank you very much. Grateful to I'm be I'm trying here. to pronounce those two names. I try to pronounce your last you name. You did great. You <laughs> okay. did. And yeah. psilocybin. Uh, so this is an interesting thing, the idea that there's um, this compound, this, um, mm-hmm. this psychoactive chemical that can actually transform people's lives in many ways. And you've done a lot of research on it. You devoted your life to it. Yeah. I remember one of my favorite movies um, was Limitless. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I saw it when it came out. It takes a a pill uh, and then it changes his cognitive abilities. They call it nootropics. And he makes these amazing connections and he sees things uh, amazingly differently. And he has success and then he has some challenges. So people Mm. have always been fascinated by the idea there's a a pill or substance I can take to transform myself, to have a higher consciousness. Yes. And you uh, tell us that you found this in this called uh, psilocybin, which is found in mushrooms, this compound. Yes. Can you tell us about your experiences? I guess it was back in college or something, or mm-hmm. you went to uh, see your favorite band and then you, you took the mushroom and then you changed. Something happened. Yeah. You saw uh, you know, everything as love, uh, unity, and you even said this, this place on earth is actually heaven, is not hell. Correct. So tell us about your experiences in that. Yeah, it was uh, about three months before I started college. I just graduated high school and I was going to see my favorite band Tool play. And somebody that I had just met that day gave me some mushrooms on the way to the show. I took them at the show and had this experience first of slowly almost dying, hmm. which is a very you know intense experience. It felt like there was this sensation uh, guiding me forward, hmm. but I felt if I was going to keep moving forward, I would dissolve and, and end up dead. But I was very curious and had been focusing a lot on existential questions for a long time. So I let go and surrendered. And then I had this experience of this deep inner explosion, uh, felt a recognition that I was eternal, meaning there's a part of me that existed before the Big Bang, exists after death. And as I stayed in the state, which was very loving and almost a sense of bliss and a sense of rejoicing, like every cell was feeling a deep sense of love, right. a voice arose in my consciousness, which is very common with psilocybin and adequate doses. Mm. And it felt like, again, immediate recognition this was God. And I was an atheist at the time. Mm. And I was suicidal and depressed before this. So mm. this was way outside the bounds of anything I thought possible. And mm. I asked if this is real. The voice said yes, to which I responded by just crying even more deeply. I ended up just hearing for Mm. 90 minutes and it shared that we are, I asked, what are we? And it said that we are love and light. And I got to visually see this. And it said that this world is in fact, like it's heaven. It's only our perception that separates us from this. So there's enough resources and food and experiences available to make this place fairly harmonious. Um, But it's our experience of isolation and separateness. And with those assumptions, the way we treat each other on the planet that keeps us things in the state, but it was inevitable for one day us to grow enough and, and try to 
orient to this reality and each other very differently. Mm-hmm. And it said that love is the most important thing on the planet, followed by learning. Everything else is not important compared to those mm-hmm. values. Right. And so it was a radical restructuring of my psyche within 90 minutes wow. and it's continued. In it's pretty amazing. 20, yeah, year, so 20 years later. Yeah, incredible. So love universally. We do believe that love is the fundamental force. Yeah. And of course, uh, university is learning. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious though, 90 minutes of crying. I mean, were people looking at you? Did you even know people were responding to you or? Yeah, that's an important thing to bring up in this moment, which is still the most intense, beautiful moment of my life, even this far later. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was said was caring what other people think is what keeps you separate from God. And so every time I try to get out of the experience because I'm sitting there bawling, looking at the ceiling in this huge filled out auditorium, I would lose connection. Wow. And I realized the, the huge importance, whether it's caring what people think in the moment in our image or right. going to certain careers because it's going to have so mm-hmm. much more social benefits and so on, we mm-hmm. lose connection with ourselves and our truth right? and this connection with source. And so that's also played an important role in my life. So I did care, but I also knew that this was a very meaningful experience and I didn't want to sacrifice it mm-hmm. in that moment because I was looking very differently than the way the other people in the stadium were. Interesting. You, some, you come from a background, of a lot of transpersonal consciousness, integral studies. Uh, mm. You mentioned East and West kind of stuff. So there's mm. a very deep spiritual component to you. And mm. uh, the idea of surrender comes up across in a lot of uh, spiritual paths. Yeah. You mentioned that you surrender to the experience. But for a lot of people, that's, that's difficult because oh, they yeah. want to be in control. Yeah. It, not just in uh, your use of um, you know, medications or, you know, it could be anything else. So what do you counsel people on that if they want to even try this experience or even other experiences, but they're afraid of losing that control and having the fear that something will happen? Yeah, I mean, I've I've probably seen hundreds of people go through these journeys, and not everybody's able to let go, especially on the first go. I think that's a big expectation for anybody. We have these huge patterns and behaviors of living a certain way our entire life, Mm -hmm. and to ask, hey, be able to drop everything within two hours mm-hmm. isn't isn't possible. So yes. so those expectations are probably one of the hardest parts of doing a mm-hmm. lot of this job because people mm-hmm. are almost expecting this huge breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And it happens almost half the time, which is mm-hmm. incredible. But there's another half the time where that doesn't. And it's, but people do make significant growth. You know, so even though they're not able to let go that, that during those four or five hours that the mushrooms active, mm-hmm. they learn so much about their psychology mm-hmm. and that struggle and how much control their mind really has. And they make significant improvement by the next time they come in and their lives get a lot easier because that sense of control actually begins to dissolve and they're able to have, be more in flow in their day-to-day uh-huh. sober life. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Now, Jahan, uh, you say you're part uh, Iranian Persian and part uh, Mexican. Yeah. Uh, he grew up in a household like that. And, but you said yeah. you were suicidal. Uh, was there abuse or trauma? What yes, yes, all, all around. Yes. Uh, yes. It was very difficult. I was, I was aware for my parents, you know, coming mm-hmm. into this country, one from Iran, one from Mexico, barely yes. having any English. There's no financial support, no family mm-hmm. support, being illegal for about like 10 years mm-hmm. each. And so there's right. there a lot of pain and there were a lot of scarcity and a lot of stress. And that right. led to a lot of trauma and abuse and also mm-hmm. by the time i was 15 there had been just enough pain and no kind of light at the end of the tunnel yes where like suicide was an all day every day kind of focus mm-hmm. for me wow. as a teen yeah. and this uh, transformed you the experience of the psilocybin it did uh, and i've seen it many people mm-hmm. you know there's a time where almost a quarter of the people i was working with were suicidal because they've already tried everything people in their 40s 50s 60s where they're like i've tried 20 years of therapy i've tried all the medication mm-hmm. 
And this was able to decondition their sense of self and the world. Mm. Hmm. And kind of like the same experience I had, kind of like there's finally a light at the end of the tunnel. That light itself is a possible experience you can have. Wow. So this uh, compound, um, psychedelic compound found in mushrooms, they call it the magic mushroom. I guess yeah. the, the term magic, right? You think of something supernatural, something yeah. amazing. And uh, you said it's been around for thousands of years um, in pre-Columbian times. You mentioned the Aztecs who did, did like ceremonies. Uh, you mm-hmm. call it the Re- uh, Feast of Revelation, where they would have yeah. their, their enemies that they captured. They would release them and, and celebrate with mushrooms. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that. How, how, how long has this been going on, this mushroom use? Yeah, for, so, for purposes? yeah, there's a good book recently came out called The Entangled Life by an ethnobotanist. Somebody that's focused on studying mushrooms. And he says it looks like psilocybin's at least 67 million years old. I mean, so wow. it predates humanity. We're talking about a fungus that's been here far mm. beyond mm. The, the emergence of our species. Mm. And so much of my book is, let's say the argument, because it lays out so much evidence in terms of ideas, but also anthropological evidence that it was probably the main reason for the emergence of humanity itself, that this neurotropic or this compound that we know now increases brain size and hyperconnects the brain, happy to go into those details, um, was a part of our ancestors' environment in Africa where we evolved. And so that this idea that's happened millions of times over millions of years and gave us the consciousness we now have. So it's historically, and even there's cave paintings of mushroom use going back in Africa, at least to 9,000 BCE. And so there's much to say about the big history, but it's also very um, widespread here in the Americas. There's over 50 different kinds of psilocybin mushrooms just in Mexico. And so it's a big part of North, Central, and South America's history. Mm -hmm. And when the Europeans came over, you know, close to the 1500s, uh, the clergy wrote down that the Aztecs had a widespread mushroom use, that even at coronation of Montezuma II, the, the mm-hmm. leader of the Aztec Empire, everybody would be taking mushrooms as, as part of his ceremony, his political ceremony. Mm-hmm. The Mayans, who are much older than the Aztecs by a few thousand years, left about 200 different mushroom stones. Mm-hmm. So this is a deep part of the America's culture. Mm-hmm. And the clergy from from Europe were, and this is their writing and their letters, Mm. um, put an eradication on the mushroom use. And there was this greatest Mm. ethnocide in human history. There's a huge Mm. genocide. I mean, Mm. 90% of the populace of North, Central, South America were killed. Mm. The language changed. To, to Spanish, right? Like we moved into Christianity. So there was immense loss of culture, but it was a deep part of the history of the Americas before the Europeans came over. Fascinating. And um, I didn't really know a lot about this until I started uh, looking at your book and, and uh, looking at these, uh, these concepts. But the idea that there are therapeutic benefits, I thought very yeah. interesting. Uh, research-wise, uh, John Hopkins had done studies on, for example, cancer patients. Uh, up to 80% had diminution of their symptoms of depression and you know death anxiety. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, smoking. People that have done this have been able to quit smoking 80% versus 30% normally. Mm-hmm. And I think they even um, put it as a, a possible drug for a major depression. FDA uh, is looking into that and other things, PTSD and OCD and all that. So what are the therapeutic applications that you've seen uh, recently? For, all, I mean, all, everything you've named I've seen. Um, and I think there's so much more benefits than we can even, uh, those are just the studies we began to do in the last 20 years. Mm. What I can share uh, from my understanding, it creates a deep sense of wholeness, mm. right? So it helps the whole psyche integrate and come together and you kind of see yourself and the identity in the world. And so much of the things that you had just named come against from a fractured sense of a self. So depression, what I've come to understand, because about 70% of the people I've worked with come for depression, like major depression, mm-hmm. is I don't like myself, mm-hmm. right? If you're forced to be somebody you don't want to be, you're inherently right. in pain. Yes. And so this heals that and be like, I'm actually, I am love and I'm deeply connected to everything. And the near of end of life anxiety. So there's been you know years of research where people are about to die. They're, they're federally... Uh, 
fatally mm-hmm. ill. They have six months to two years to live. Right. Um, mostly cancer patients. They give them psilocybin and their fear mm-hmm. of death goes away. Mm-hmm. So much of death, the fear also comes from the sense of like, I'm mm-hmm. going to be separated from everything I've ever known. And that right. kind of this deep sense of interconnection heals that. Mm-hmm. OCD is a deep sense of controlling everything. Addiction mm-hmm. is covering deep wounds. And so as the sense of self begins to heal, a lot of these symptoms actually tend to naturally fall away. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think in your experience, you said that you saw us as uh, temporary vehicles uh, going into eternity and that mm. we're going to get new vehicles. Mm. So you saw something that gave you hope that there's something beyond Tremendous. The, 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 yeah. The I mean, I've had, yeah, that was the first major mushroom experience. I've had hundreds of journeys yeah. uh, with lots of different compounds and that theme has come up a lot, you know, for me, death has been a regular theme daily in my mind of just, mm. just working towards in relationship with this big mystery. Mm. Mm. But what I've seen in mushrooms, including in other journeys, mm. was that death is the greatest day of our lives. It's this huge embrace mm. and moving back home into this deep unity mm. that we come from. We're interconnected to everything, mm. but we can't pull the plug any quicker than mm. we're supposed to. Right. You know, it's kind of saying like a fuck you or disrespect to the divine, mm-hmm. right? Like, so we got to keep unfolding with this play, right. but we're finally getting to remember everything before we kind of have this amnesia of coming to life. So it's given me tremendous hope and safety mm-hmm. and care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some cultures, they say that they, um, they mourn when someone is born because there's, their soul is put into a finite body, but then it's released <laughs> at the end and the, yeah. the soul can be uh, released. But then, as you said, you know, you have to actualize your potential here. You know, in Spanish, we totally. use the word don, which means don divino, get from God. Beautiful. Whatever talent you have, you know, it could be writing, teaching, or, or whatever it is, caretaking. But all of us have that, you know, so we need to actualize it for the greater totally. good. Totally. Uh, now, the other thing is that I thought very interesting is um, biologically, they say that, you know, we have about 100 billion neurons. But mm-hmm. we have so many that we can't really communicate with all of them. So we have this thing mm-hmm. called pruning where we focus only on some. Some are more developed. Mm-hmm. The others are dormant. Mm-hmm. So apparently, uh, this releases serotonin, this compound, which actually activates this communication between more neurons uh, in kind mm-hmm. of an open, randomized way. So people come up with new connections and uh, new mm-hmm. ideas and things like that. So mm-hmm. that was pretty fascinating in terms of the biochemistry. And the other idea was uh, this thing called the default mechanism where people become very self-focused and self-centered, and this actually lowers that uh, chemically. Mm-hmm. So you start to look at external things. And, you know, one of the things that depression is, as we know, is the poor me, right? You know, poor me, know. no one loves me and th- all that. Totally. Uh, and I do work a lot with trauma victims and, you know, psycho- forensic psychology. Uh, and oftentimes the idea is that it's an unsafe world, right? Something bad is going to happen. Totally. So uh, this apparently can help maybe change that. And you start to yeah. think maybe there is love out there, there's, safety and comfort in the world. Yeah, so yeah. tell us about the, your therapeutic um, aspects of that. Yeah. I mean, the, everything in alignment we just said, if I'm looking at Maslow's hierarchy, definitely one of my favorite models, you know, at the mm-hmm. base needs, we have survival. We have to focus on the physical needs and the sense of safety and belonging mm-hmm. before we can really have space for connection. And then after connection, it's self-esteem. I need to feel good enough about myself and then move into self-actualization. And then trans- I know who I am and transcendence, self-transcendence, mm-hmm. which is like helping and being a service. And so there's certain needs that just become more important than others. And safety, if people don't feel safe, that's, that's the place you got to work from. Everything kind of goes right. out the window. The entire defense system is structured to help them feel safe. But also the deep sense of not feeling safe also creates a sense of I'm separate from everything. I have to protect myself and so on. Um, and so a deep part of the work is first creating a deep sense of safety. And most of the time they are safe. It's just trauma is almost a deep memory living in the body that they think the past is present here now. Right. right? So you have to undo that past conditioning, let go of the freed stored energy. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of psychosomatic, uh, movement in these journeys. There's a lot of shaking and releasing of physical trauma during these sessions. 
In terms of the default mode network, because it is very interesting what the neuroscience have come to, it is absolutely fascinating and I think gives a strong grounding for, for psilocybin and other psychedelics. So as, as you're alluding to, the, the default mode network is what the neuroscientists call the ego network within the brain. When you think me, 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 I, 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 a certain network kind of mm. flashes. And it's overdeveloped with people with depression, anxiety, because if you're in pain, you can't help but keep thinking about it. You know, if I don't like myself, like you're stuck in this trauma loop of, I don't want to be me. I'm so awful. It's, it's very self-absorbed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a torment. And so that whole network quiets down and that network tends to act as a repressive function for the rest of the brain connecting, mm-hmm. right? And so if finally one that quiets that loud voice that they're used to, there's space for all the other voices and all the other parts that come up. And so it creates a hyper-connected brain state. I recommend people listening to this, just put MRI psilocybin. And so you're just seeing these beautiful images of a brain on psilocybin compared to a placebo. I mean, radically different of how much parts of the brain kind of hyperconnect. And this deep sense of hyperconnection, I think, is a correlation with the sense of unity people feel. As people feeling connected within their brain and all the parts of themselves, they're subjectively having this experience of I'm actually feeling connected to all of nature and everything. So it tends to go together. And that experience, again, heals the brain. A lot of those pathways stabilize and the brain grows, stimulates neurogenesis. But they also, their sense of the world also tends to evolve with that experience. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I'm working on a book, um, I Love Intelligence. And I give an example of um, a little kid at a piano. And the kid pounds one key and keeps pounding it, pounding it. And everyone's, that's too much noise. And the piano teacher says, you know, there are actually 87 other keys you can play. And, uh, for example, psychologically, you know, keys of love or compassion or empathy. But the obsessive compulsive or even the depressive person, they say, no one loves me. No one loves me. No one loves me. Or, uh, you know, it's unhealthy out there or whatever it is. So, I guess fundamentally, this may expand your options, right? Your possibilities. Right. It, it does. It, it's deconditioning. Yeah, yeah. It breaks out the conditioning. Different aspects. Now, you, Jahan, you're, you seem like a very, um, Jahan, is that the right? Jahan, You seem like a very intelligent guy and you talk pretty fast, like kind of like me. Is that natural or is it because of the psilocybin? Uh, no, it's natural. Um, thanks for pointing that. I, d- I have ADD, you know, oh. so I've definitely, my mind and my energy moves fairly quick. You know, right. I've, even with all the meditation I've done. Yeah. Well, many geniuses have that or creative people, you know, they have uh, <laughs> all these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It has so for you, uh, slowing down, is that your thing that you need to do more? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, for myself, I actually move mm-hmm. at a, I feel a pretty good speed, but it's normally mm-hmm. in connecting with others, you know, with therapeutic oh. work and so yes. on where mm-hmm. they're not moving as fast. Oh, okay. Right, because for me it actually feels really good. In okay, just so my natural state of being. You're, you're yeah. happy with the speed. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay. Thank you. Now, now in terms of uh, the spirituality, this is the other part. So we have the psychological side, the therapeutic, and then the spiritual um, nature of this experience. Right, you're talking about the psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about unity, the oneness. We know things like uh, the omega point. You know, you know, unification point, Chardin. Uh, yeah. You know, Young's a collective unconscious. Right. Uh, you know, the symbols and all. So there's a lot of those interesting things that go on here. Uh, also, Castaneda, you remember some of his work? Yes. He talked about sure. <laughs> transporting your body to different places. I think uh, in one of your podcasts, you talk about even going to outer space or something or possibly to other universe. That happens. Uh, yeah. You know, going to history. So all these kind of things are very interesting. So tell us about that, the spiritual side of, of this use. Yeah. I think for many people, and including it was for myself, it was hard to believe in something unless I've directly experienced it. And I think mm. there's, for good reason, you know, right. I, I think that's a deep part many of us have. And so this allows access to deep experiential, you could say realities, mm. you know, and after 
working the last 20 years in academia and philosophy and so on, I, I can't tell you where these realities exist ontologically. Mm-hmm. But when you're there, they feel very real and almost more real than this experience. Mm-hmm. And they're also very complex and very intelligent. Mm-hmm. And in this space, it's fairly common that a lot of beings arise voices and sometimes you see corporal entities and they seem very very intelligent more intelligent mm-hmm. than us and so we can write this all off but having myself seen again hundreds of people go through this i've read 75 books just on psychedelics mm-hmm. it's so common and people tend to get the same messages mm-hmm. and see the same beings mm-hmm. cross-culturally regardless of their background so a very common experience at the beginning of a psilocybin session is seeing geometry and we've in this psychedelic culture tend to call it sacred geometry and geometry, as many of us know, it, it helps create the foundation on the architecture of our world, right? Even the idea of Plato's forms and Pythagoras in the beginning of the Greeks had this idea of geometry being very fundamental. And so it's very common at the beginning of the session for about half an hour to just seeing deep geometric shapes all throughout the environment. And for me, that kind of communicates that something intelligent is happening. And then you're generally taken into other worlds. And not everybody breaks in that transpersonal transpersonal meaning beyond the personal mm-hmm. for some people it's completely biographical and they just see memories and images of their past like if they have deep trauma they go back to their childhood and see the deep trauma but for some people it breaks through into something far more expansive including aliens spiritual archetypal mythical you know i think we're all playing with the same rea- reality whether on psychedelics or not so we can use terms like young's collective unconscious you know as you or you deals Pierre tells Chardin's kind of like Omega point that there's some deep unity, including one that's very mental and spiritual that's holding us together. And it just seems to be in that space, there's a lot of information that we could tap into. Interesting. I read some research on lucid dreaming where, you know, you can control your dream and you're aware and awake. And one of the phrases they say is, uh, you know, I'm awake, I'm dreaming, I can do anything I want. Mm-hmm. And the you know, Stanford Sleep Laboratory, people would be you know, with the monitors and they would be in the States and they said they loved us so much they didn't want to wake up from it. So I wonder, first of all, I mean, can this help you with lucid dreaming? Mm -hmm. Uh, And number two, uh, what if you love this so much? Do you want to come back to so-called reality? Do you ever say, I just want to be constantly in the mushroom state? Is that possible? Great great questions. You know, I started fairly young at 15 and my dream life is very rich. Mm. um, And I've had so many lucid dreams. And Mm. I don't know that's because of my psychedelic experiences or a natural Mm. disposition, or I just Mm. tend to care. Mm. Uh, But I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually helped support my dream life a lot. Mm. In terms of this idea of being stuck or being pulled towards that reality, most people... The metaphor I use is like, we're, we're hungry all the time, but once you mm. eat a good big meal, you're no longer mm. hungry. You're mm. not like, oh, I'm already planning the next food. You're satisfied. Mm. And then you just eat later when you're hungry. Mm. And a deep psychedelic experience is like that where people can have, mm. and I've seen it many times, the most important experience of their life. Mm. And when it's over, they're not yearning for it. Anymore. There's a deep sense of fulfillment and wholeness mm. to that moment. You're like, mm. yeah, wow, I just connected to God or myself, mm. but I'm very settled. And I see the point of psychedelics, and I think a lot of people that have been in this space for a while would would agree, the point of psychedelics is to support and help your daily life. Hmm. You're there to learn things, to be a better human and show best here to realize your potential Hmm. on a daily basis. And some of us have more pools. You know, I've I've been, I've always wanted to explore that other territory, so I might journey more than others. Mm -hmm. But two or three times in somebody's life, it it can be a transformally, Hmm. just on bring them to another level. You know, so once or twice a year is good. A few times in your life is fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think too many people need to be doing it uh, so much more often than that. Interesting. Okay. Um, 
because we think of like other, you know, substances like um, cannabis and all that, you know, people use it every day, you know, and some people say it helps them. Some people, you know, they get into it too much. But so you're saying you don't have to use this every day, the mushrooms. So, so mushrooms themselves, and it's a very few amount of compounds are called the trypamines, include LSD, mm-hmm. 5-amino, DMT, DMT, but psilocybin is the one we're focusing on right mm-hmm. now. They, they all look very structurally the same, work with the same 5-H22A serotonin receptor. There are one of the most unaddictive compounds that we mm-hmm. that we know exists uh, mm-hmm. to the point where you can't really trip three or four days straight. It just stops working. Mm-hmm. Oh, so if I took a, a lot of mushrooms one day, I would have to take mm-hmm. double the next day, almost quadruple oh. the third, and the okay. fourth day I could take any amount and it stops working. So it's a tolerance so, kind of thing you're saying. Yeah, but very very fast. So mm-hmm. you, you can't keep doing it. Okay. But what we also see the major studies have been done that it breaks addiction. Mm-hmm. Right, you so use it to overcome. It's been the most effective mm. method for nicotine addiction, for example, eighty mm. percent success rate also with alcohol. Mm. So it, it tends to break patterns within our cells, including like OCD. So it's a uh, almost anti-addictive and breaks addictions by its very nature. Mm-hmm. But what I was asking is if this is such a pleasurable, wonderful state, yeah. you can't really continue it all the time. You're saying. I mean, you said once a year, once every three years. So I wish it was that pleasurable. Um, it's very transformative. Oh. It could be very, very, very difficult. I can't, I can't over, uh, say that. Very uh, scary, very painful. A okay. lot of yeah. every emotion is possible. The goal okay. is more towards wholeness. So anything that's oh. been repressed mm-hmm. comes up. It, it creates, makes you almost more hypersensitive. Okay. And for a lot of people, you know, there's a huge breakthrough in this understanding of the reality. Right. But if you overdo it, it's almost so the Native Americans, um, mm-hmm. and I mean Native Americans across all of the Americas. Right tend to see these plant substances as teachers. These are spiritual right. teachers that you're mm-hmm. in relationship with. Right. And there's a deep sense of intelligence when you communicate with them and they'll kick you in the ass if you overdo it. So mm-hmm. if you're there and you take mm-hmm. three mushroom journeys in one month, what do you I mean, mean the, the Indians kick in the ass or, or are you the are the, spiritual are the teachers? The, 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 oh, oh, yeah, the internally, oh. the mushroom will make you go through hell for five hours. Oh, I see. Okay. And like, why are you doing this? You I know see. better. You're running oh. away from your life. So they I tend see. to call out hmm whatever's true like you can't uh, lie to yourself when you're on mushrooms it's mm-hmm. so which is important for developing mm-hmm. but if you're hiding anything from yourself they will right. show it to you even mm-hmm. if it means being right. in a state of agony yeah because therapy is similar where you know you get all these painful feelings come out and it's not necessarily pleasurable but i mean it can be transformative and i think you're saying right. something similar yeah this is, brings it all up wow so it's a lot it's very intense it's mm-hmm. just it tends to be healthy but i'm, I'm not yes. saying it's pleasurable I see. Now, the other thing you talk about in your book, and it's well, very well written, and you know, you're very comprehensive. Uh, you talk about culture and also even economics has or is affected by this. Mm-hmm. You mentioned inventors uh, you know, for creativity. Stephen Jobs apparently uh, mm-hmm. talked well about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Global brain, you said blockchain and crypto, maybe even a manifestation of this interconnectedness you're talking about. Uh, and the idea that we become integrated superorganisms. Uh, mm-hmm. Or it can be, you know, a global nervous system. Are you saying this is through the use of psilocybin, or, or what is your idea? Yeah, uh, there's so many ways to go. This one underlying theory that this is how the Earth talks to us. There's over 200 different species of psilocybin mushrooms around the planet, and for us, the, with the kind of perspective we have now in the world, we look at a mushroom as a very small thing, right? Mm-hmm. right. But that's the fruit of a larger body. The larger right. body is called mycelium. It's this huge underground network that interconnects all the plants in the environment. Right. So 90% of plants have a symbiotic relationship with mycelium. Mm. 80% of plants would stop existing and mycelium went out of existence, right? right? So it holds all the intelligence in the environment, moving electrical impulses and information and mm. nutrients to each. 
Hmm. It created soil for plants to even evolve. So we're talking hmm. about something that's been about 2 billion years on the planet, hmm. right? So we've been living and evolving on top of this network, our entire hmm. existence. And out of this huge, vast hmm. network, which some of them are the biggest organisms on the planet, um, comes this perfect cap and stem formation, the mushroom, which hmm. is psilocybin. That hyperconnects our brain, fits into the 5-HT2A serotonin receptor better than serotonin itself with no biotoxicity. You could theoretically mm -hmm. take a thousand mushroom doses. Mm -hmm. you, you're going to be physiologically fine. Mm -hmm. And it creates this hyperconnected brain state that increases intelligence and communication. So one way to see this, that this is almost part of the vast network mm -hmm. of the planet itself, because mm -hmm. it's evolved on many continents across without it, it, it directly spreading so mm. it's evolved all over the planet for many years Are you saying it's like a universal intelligence is it a, it's a spiritual at least, form? it seems yeah. i would say a lot of people that have experienced with it over mm. and over would definitely say universal intelligence mm. but right now i'm just saying a uh, planetary intelligence because i would uh. definitely agree with that first statement but right okay. now it's, uh. it's kind of creates this hyper intelligent structure on the planet uh. and there's many plants that out okay. of this connection with mycelium actually have psychedelics so you see like a teacher you said like almost a living being in some ways Living being, you know, it talks, it'll have a voice. Okay. Again, these, wow. are, these aren't things I would believe unless I've experienced it. It's, right. it's far out there. And yet- It's interesting. Do I, I guess animism, like, you know, objects yes. have uh, spiritual or you know, human qualities. And so the idea is also, this is where animism grew. The idea, part of the idea, this is the emergence of orig the original religion. Mm -hmm. People ah. took these substances in the environment. And we right. know now, you know, anthropologists would say that mm -hmm. Sean- Shamanism is the oldest form of religion, and shamanism mm -hmm. has this animistic perspective that everything mm -hmm. is alive and interconnected mm -hmm. and, and is full of spirits. Right. And there's plants that actually naturally support that worldview. Right. So, yeah. So, with this hyperconnected intelligence, also there's an mm -hmm. increase of creativity that can help mm -hmm. increase new technologies. You know, mm -hmm. so that's happened throughout the right. last, you know, during the 60s. The right. computer revolution is, can mm -hmm. be very much put down to the use of LSD. Right. Exactly. And so that it can help co create this planet together, this sense of unity. Mm -hmm. One thing, Hanna, if we say that it's a universal intelligence of love, unity, but some might argue, but look at our world today, right? We have war, virus, and we have division, right? People are angry at each other and they're fighting. Yeah. So is it because there's not enough psilocybin or, or is that is not working the right way? Yeah, I argue we definitely fell out of the pattern of using it. It looks like mm -hmm. I would argue a lot of our first ancestors did and a lot of other people in, in kind of indigenous tribes had. Mm -hmm. When we moved into the agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago and began growing our own food, we stopped eating things mm -hmm. naturally in the environment. Right. And so over, we're talking about millennia generations, we lost touch that there's plants and fungi substances across the planet that really right. are neurotropics and kind of create this hyperconnected brain state. Right. We can see how useful they are for the sciences right now, the last mm. 20 years, but they've mm. always been here. Why haven't we used it? Well, there's been major mm. repression of these substances, whether it's mm. through law or through religion. And mm -hmm. this kind of hyper-autonomous view that, that we have to do everything by ourselves, but we've mm -hmm. always been growing out of ecosystems. The environment's always been evolving together. Mm -hmm. Plants, for example, create your body through turning sunlight into mass and turn into mm -hmm. animals and creates our body, mm -hmm. creates your oxygen. The idea is that they also can increase our intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so because we haven't been using these substances, I think we've been out of balance, mm -hmm. right? But they are, they're very accessible once mm -hmm. you become aware of them. Right. But do you have to use it? Can, isn't the substance a spiritual love in itself that can create vibrations or do you actually have yeah. to use it for it to happen? Well, I think we can get there without it. Uh, I, I think there's places that we can't get to there without. I mean, I've mm -hmm. had clients that they're like, I've been in therapy for 20 years and I couldn't access what I just accessed in one day. And I know that's true for me too, because it creates chemicals in your brain right. that aren't there otherwise. And that enables it mm -hmm. to create new experiences that otherwise aren't there. 
Mm. I've gone through years of meditation, for example, and had right. some huge breakthroughs. Mm. And when I had those breakthroughs, my first thought was, I've experienced this on psilocybin. This just mm. took me like hundreds of hours mm. right. while psilocybin was fairly immediate. Mm. So we are a manifestation of this love, but not everybody's orienting that way. Mm. And this can transform those people that aren't orienting that way, some of them in a day. Mm. Some of them, it takes longer, but it helps create that transformative shift and accelerate it. Interesting. Now, apparently, this is illegal in every state but Oregon for therapeutic purposes. That's right. They actually have a therapist that can sit with you for hours and help you through the process. Mm. So, how do people mm. even do this? In, in America, you can't really legally do this stuff? Yeah, that's, again, part of the sadness of this whole situation. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a loss that it ever became illegal. Yeah. Um, but you go to Jamaica. Jamaica is legal or no? So Jamaica is the only country where it's 100% legal. Okay. We've run retreats out there, Ottman retreats, there's other sites right. also. Right. The Netherlands, I just started working with the company out there. Um, okay. It's a gray zone, but they can give you mushroom truffles. We've mm-hmm. decriminalized it here mm-hmm. in Oakland where I live. It looks like oh. California might decriminalize it across the state this coming ah. year. Okay. Um, there's other cities that have decriminalized it, meaning you're not going to get punished, ah. but we can't give you this large stamp of approval that you're able right. to set up and create a licensure and a training. I see. So a lot's shifted in the last three or four years, and it ah. looks like that's going to continue to shift. I see. Well, let's say that you're in Oregon or maybe Jamaica. How yeah. do you suggest people use this in those where they legally do it? For example, I heard the term microdose. Yeah. We take a little bit of it. Uh, is that what people do these days? Take a little bit. That's of it. one way, and it's a very safe and mm-hmm. um, easy way to get used to it. So you, mm-hmm. you take one, say, a micro amount. So it's like mm-hmm. 0.1 grams of psilocybin mushrooms, or a hundred. Right. right. You know, just a very small amount of LSD, and it's a way of getting to know this medicine and having it work with your body. So mm-hmm. a lot of people experience more patience, compassion, creativity, openness. There's a book called A Really Good Day, which is a, a lawyer's account um, of using uh, LSD microdosing for, for a month. And, and it, she says it was the most productive month of her life, and she was a better mom with her family and so on, a less sense of judgment. Right. So it's, it could be a one way with almost no real loss or cost mm. to really um, mm-hmm. get comfortable with these substances. Right. But can it help you as much? Because they say in the cancer studies, they actually use a pretty significant dosage. Is, yeah. is a micro too small to make any changes? It, it looks like it's really helping people. And I've seen people, I, I, you know, as a professional, I can't endorse it, but I've seen that mm-hmm. it's helped people get off of um, SSRIs and antidepressants mm-hmm. that tend to just numb the system a lot most of the time, which right. numbing is sometimes useful if the right. person's suicidal, mm-hmm. but it doesn't cure the underlying condition. Mm-hmm. And this tends to create a deep sense of wholeness and their okayness with the harder emotions and looking at, it creates more introspection right. at times. So it, it's helpful in the same way that, taking small amounts of any medicine for over a period of time, like SSRIs could be helpful. I would argue even more, but it's not a substitute for the deep journeys. I wouldn't equate them because the deep journeys are doing this deep dive into the, 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 your soul or deep Mm. parts of your psyche. Mm. Microdosing doesn't take you there. I see. Now, the other thing, Jahan, you mentioned that you like uh, reintegration sessions where you do a, a trip or a experience. And then, you know, for each one of those, you have two, times where you got to, you know, go over, you know, what you learned and things like that. Is that important mm-hmm. to do the integration um, sessions? If you're doing a deep journey, I, I'd say essential, mm-hmm. uh, including preparation sessions. So I think a, a fairly good, you know, way of putting it is like two prep sessions leading up to a journey, mm-hmm. um, about 50 minutes each, like getting used and creating the intentions, knowing what to work on. This is very clear and, uh, and, and intentional. And then at least two sessions, maybe the next day or a week out, where you spend time contemplating and thinking about the journey, taking in the lessons, 
the point is for it to be transformative. Mm. And you don't want to just have this big experience to leave it behind. You want to ha- help it become a part of who you are in the moment-to-moment basis. And so I think a specialist is very helpful in that area, but yeah. also carving out time for yourself. Right. Now, how about, I mean, there's some caveats I want to discuss with you. You've heard yeah. these possibly. Now, you do mention that it's not accessible to for meditation or therapy necessarily. It could be maybe adjunct. And of course, you know, some people may have an adverse reaction. You may be a fa- traumatic flashback. Yeah. Uh, they might have delirium, psychosis, they say, uh, possibly totally. for hallucinogens, uh, cardiovascular yeah. issues. Uh, so how do you respond to that? Yeah. And also, are the people who should not use it, for example, should, should children not use it, uh, elderly yeah. people? Where do you find limits on this? Yeah. I mean, there can, there's so many ways to use it. So a parent, person could experiment by themselves. They can go to a specialist one-on-one therapy. They can go to a, like a medicine ceremony, more kind of indigenous context, or you can do mm-hmm. it recreationally at like a festival, right? So many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look differently each time. Uh, I'll focus on if you're working with a specialist, for example, there should probably be an intake form, a looking at your medical history, a look, okay. a look of your psychological history to see mm-hmm. how stable you are. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, say they guarantee stability. In many ways, they can deconstruct the ego mm-hmm. and dissolve oneself, and that could be very mm-hmm. destabilizing. Mm-hmm. So you want to see that the person's pretty grounded. The other idea, of course, you know, overall, the use of drugs, some people are against mm-hmm. this, some people are open to it. Right, but right, I think right. uh, you're coming from a place of love where you want to help people, right? You, you know, totally, you really absolutely. see this uh, higher uh, purpose and what and the work you're doing, yeah, yeah. which I really and, admire. Totally. And then, yeah, I mean, just to finish, because I know it's a big issue in terms of is there other people that shouldn't? Um, hmm. I don't think our current system can hold certain things like, say, borderline disorder or, you know, type schizophrenia. Hmm. Not that at some day it wouldn't be helpful for that population. You would just need an entire team available to help people that might have uh, manic episodes or breakdowns. And so this could be helpful for them, but we don't have the infrastructure for that currently. Right. So this is something in the future. Now, I've never been a real big proponent of uh, using external chemicals to change internal chemicals. Yeah. because the idea that this is pretty much a shortcut, right? So you, people might say, well, I can do meditation. You know, it might take me a lot more time, but it's more of a natural, shall we say, process. Uh, so how would you respond to those kind of um, ideas? Yeah, I think it's it's coming from this worldview that we're autonomous. When I mean mm-hmm. autonomous, meaning there's a focus on just individuality and we have to do everything ourselves, which mm-hmm. is a, a beautiful and an empowering and strengthening mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. And at some other levels, it's also very depressing and has its kind of downturn effects, right. it doesn't really take into account our interconnection or interdependence. Mm. So right now you use food to sustain your body and again, plants for your oxygen and so on. You wouldn't be like, well, no, I'm completely autonomous and separated. I don't mm. need food, right? Your body needs things. It's evolved in an environment. Mm. We're saying that this is part of an ecosystem that is very mm. helpful and it's always been there. Again, in my argument, mm. you can see the book, is that actually catalyzed the emergence of humanity. Mm. And so we have a deep interdependence and I think it's mm-hmm. that egoic part of us that says, I have to do everything by myself. And I think it with the humble ourselves to say, no, you can't, mm-hmm. we need each other. We need each other as humans to emotionally thrive and do good to learn. And we also need the plants and fungi in the environment. Mm-hmm. And so it's letting go of the structure. It's seeing our deep interconnection mm-hmm. with everything that we're all evolving together, mm-hmm. you know, that I think really helps bring us forward. Mm-hmm. I think one of the fascinating ideas is that these things are living, living things that have almost a soul or a spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I was assumed that Native Americans have um, great affection. Would you say that you love the mushroom? Oh, absolutely. Deeply. Uh, I, love is a real love, like a spiritual love. <laughs> I'd bow down. Yeah. I mean, it should be placed on the altar. Absolutely. Okay. So there's something special that you feel about it. Now, in terms of your work, I know you have to travel to do the work, but 
in mm-hmm. Jamaica and where, you know, you can do it legally. What actually do you do with people? So in Jamaica, we do first intake calls, you know, and application forms. I think there's like 200 people waiting on a, on a list, 2,000, wow. right? 2,000. So it, it, there's a lot of people wanting. We take 12 people at a time oh. and we normally do two retreats back to back. So each okay. time I go over there, we talk 24 people. Mm. And so there's important to screen people out to mm. make sure they're stable and safe enough and so on. Right. We yeah. do an intake call to, again, screen them out personally, aside from just reading. Okay. And we start doing kind of building the relationships. So yes. in the container we're building, it's also influenced by a Western therapeutic model where the relationship mm. between the participant and the guide mm. is also a very big deal. Okay. So we're there to help them focus on the problems, do regular therapy, help mm. them feel comfortable and secure. Same you would as a therapist mm. will with a client. Mm. And then once they arrive there, we give them the first day to settle in. They'll normally arrive around 12 to 2 o'clock. We'll have lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, they're tired. They just travel to a different country. They right. give them space to settle in. And we're like on yeah. the beach, you know, mm-hmm. with like an awesome kind of wow. setup where people can like mm-hmm. a really, okay. I don't know, what nice tropical zone and the food's taken care of. Nice to make food the entire time. Is this time. Your, your company, um, Jahan? Yeah, this is Ottman Retreats and we've rent out a center over there. Yeah. Okay. Ottman, yeah. So, so, so basically, people pay, I guess, a fee. They get the airfare. Is it like a package, or how? Do, or so, is the airfare they take care of. Everything else is done from transportation to the airport, oh. all the food, the place to stay, okay. all the activities. Right. And once we get there, you know, help them settle down. We'll do an orientation around six mm. o'clock, and then a lot of group exercising. Mm. Um, you know, a big part of it is mm. the, having a sense of belonging, safety between the participants. So a lot right. of connection games help them feel settled down. Okay. okay. Go to sleep the next day in a, kind of a, a orientation circle, get them ready right. for the ceremony. Okay. And the ceremony is six to seven, eight hours. Okay. But time is very different on psilocybin. Sometimes mm. it feels like the whole thing is over and it was only like an hour. Oh. But there's times while you're on it, it feels like uh, you're in eternity. So oh. there's a huge time distortion. So even though we're like six or seven hours, sometimes people will do 20 hours worth of work. Right. And then it kind of, it leaves them and they're like, wow, that was fascinating. What but is it? So is it a pill? Uh, do, you t- do you eat a plant? Mushrooms. Uh, no, the mushrooms. Oh, yeah, mushrooms. so dry, oh. dried mushrooms. Dried mushrooms. Okay. So you just have a little bit like a half of it or do you do the whole mushroom? We do decent amounts, like therapeutic amounts, about four grams, which is what a lot mm. of the clinical studies have been on. And okay. then we supply people with a booster, you know, mm. and, and we have to assess, assess ahead of time the sensitivity of the individual. Mm. Sometimes mm. we give half that amount if okay. somebody feels like they're a very sensitive person or in a very more fragile space, mm. according to, to age and sense of also gender in terms of how dense they are. Right. And mm. then we have the entire next day for integration. Wow. A lot of extra, sure. yeah, entire, a lot of uh, talking as a group and sharing the experiences, a lot of one-to-one check-ins, mm. a lot of kind of journaling and writing, a lot of also downtime where they can relax. Mm. And then the second day, we also do some integration before they fly out. Mm. Okay. We have a check-in call again once they get back home. Wow. So very, very fascinating. So you're kind of a counselor. Are you kind of guiding them? Through the actual experience and then after the experience? Yeah. Or what yeah. is your role? There? Definitely. I mean, all the roles. Um you know, we set up the space, open the container. There's a bit of a ritualistic element, you know, mm. in terms of everybody doing like a meditation mm. and sharing before they kind of take the medicine. And then being very present to what needs to happen or needs to be done during the actual session. Um, sometimes it could be holding somebody's hand or their feet, you know, if, if they ask with consent, of course, absolutely ahead of time. Yeah. Um, or writing down what they're, ta- what they're needing or lo- Look, a lot of deep pro- uh, trauma can come, so it could be a lot of processing, mm-hmm. a lot of the deep needs of well, being what, Let's seen. try something here. Uh, Jonathan, my friend, sure. could you come over here for a second? I want you to meet Jonathan, a young man that might be open to this experience. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so let's have him sit down here. Jonathan, say hi to uh, our, our wonderful guest here, Johan. 
the Jonathan, you're in the music industry. I know you record and produce. I know people use substances, right? Quite a bit. What's yeah. your What's your take on what are you saying? So I know that a lot of people do mind altering drugs to kind of expand themselves or horizon their perspective. Yes. And especially, you know, with me being like some guy that does music, I see a lot of people do edibles, uh, marijuana mostly. But, you know, concerning to our, to our conversation, I've never actually seen anyone do shrooms mm-hmm. okay. during an actual, okay. I mean, maybe for like the Beatles or something, right? <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. So what's your, I know you might come from a conservative background, some people are religious background. So what's your advice to someone like Jonathan maybe on that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend making music or being actively creative while on the substance, Mm. right? But there had been major studies on creativity, including during the 60s, where they got musicians, architects, scientists, engineers that had been stuck on a problem for about 18 months. That was the requirement to get in. And after the eight-hour LSD journey, 90% of them solved their problem, Mm. right? So there's a huge creative breakthroughs that are possible, but you're fairly incapacitated at a large dose you're in a very vulnerable space you need to kind of just lay there and it's nice to have somebody taking care of you right but people can get a lot of insights and breakthroughs while on there that they can carry right. on right. the next day or but the what next i was asking day. you Johanna, what about the conflict like let's say he's from a religious background you know catholic whatever it is that you know that's yeah. a sin i mean you know you can't use drugs that kind yeah. of stuff but part of them maybe wants to experiment so what's your advice to someone like that yeah what do you think about jonathan mm, i mean I feel like it's important to have your traditional values, but I'm kind of like, I'm kind of in a mindset where like, you should try everything once kind of thing. If that okay. makes sense. Do things twice. Okay. So, yeah. so what would you say, Jonathan, is someone that's conflicted about that, but interested mm-hmm. in this experience? I would first and foremost do a good amount of research and gain more awareness. So there's so much differences between the substances. So I've been talking about psilocybin. This is fairly safe. There's other compounds, including what we determined as psychedelics that not are the safe. And for example, psilocybin lasts five or six hours. LSD lasts like 10 to 12, right? So you need a certain kind of container for these. So aside from research, having a, a kind of lifeline, like somebody you trust, so I always recommend a professional, but that's not necessarily accessible for most people. So having a friend take care of you for that day would be like the next best thing in terms of yeah. having um, okay. like a low cost option. About, right? Are you on the way to Jamaica, Jonathan? Uh, You're not sure? <laughs> need to get a plane ticket first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You make it sound very interesting. Um, the way you talk about it, very um, compassionate. Okay. And I think the main thing is increasing that level of empathy and compassion. Yeah. Some people do it through spiritual meditation, uh, through other methods, you know, study, worship, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the idea that you're saying this is almost a, you know, a shortcut method to, to mm-hmm. get to empathy, right? Empathy and compassion. Yeah. Because empathy, you put yourself in people's shoes, right? You feel as they feel, and compassion, you want to relieve mm. their suffering. Mm. So it's really amazing work you're doing. I mean, uh, it's Thanks. been wonderful to have you on the show. Yeah. Uh, you come from a place of love. Uh, yeah. Are you on this right now, the, the psilocybin? Am I on psilocybin right now? No, that'd be pretty intense. And uh, there's no I mean, knees. Microdose, no you can't, uh, like a little no, bit? I, it's been a part of my life for 20 years, you know. So it doesn't affect you So much. many journeys. It's just a... Uh, all the pieces in my life are in place. There's nothing to change right now. So there's no reason to be taking medicine. Right. But if you're on it, I mean, could you function and talk or not really? Like if you're on the It's plane? small amounts, I could. Oh, small amounts. You know? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, otherwise, you you'd be like in a, in a state where you can't. Yeah, fairly quickly. And again, wow. that's why it needs to be very intentional and kind mm-hmm. of you need to set the space. Like 
you know, don't be taking a decent dose and go to work. That's just not oh, appropriate. You can't do that. It's, it's normally in a ceremonial container, right? Those are the mm-hmm. indigenous traditions where this is mm-hmm. planned out and there's a lot of care and intention and respect for yourself and the substance. I see. So, now, what are you excited about now? Uh, uh, are there any projects coming up? Um, and where can we hear about your work and all that? Thank you so much. Yeah, the, the book was about five years of work to, to write mm. this and get it out, but it was about wow. 20 years of research. It's been an wow. interest for a long time. I'm very excited. As you shared, it's the most comprehensive on the idea. Yes. Um, it's available on all platforms. The audiobook should be out at the end of this month. Uh, several projects. We've been creating a project with Silo Health, you can go silohealth.co to create mm. a free four-hour um, sitter training because mm. we wanted it to be accessible for other people because normally... Mm guides cost a lot uh so people can see a four hour at least harm reduction model to hold space mm-hmm. for family members friends and so on mm-hmm. um you like the term hold space what do you yeah. mean by that somebody's there to kind of take care of you to listen to you to witness you to meet your needs i mean so often people move into almost a childlike infantile state where mm-hmm. they turn right. into like silly putty and dissolve, oh, wow. right? So okay. again, they're very vulnerable. So you don't mm-hmm. want them to necessarily have to even take care of themselves. There's somebody wow. there to black mm-hmm. or better way babysit you, you know, in terms right. of like- So trust is very important. They have to trust you. Huge. If you're not trust. feeling trust and safety, you're going to close mm-hmm. up and can't go deeper. Ah. So that's going to be the main element that's important if there's somebody else in the space, how I safe- and trust is open. I see. And what's your website? Uh, yeah, psychedelicevolution.org. Okay, excellent. And the so book's name is Psilocybin Connection. Psilocybin. Yeah. So you have the book and you do these uh, retreats in Jamaica. Yeah. And, uh, I, anything I, else you're working I on? I consult with a lot of organizations. And okay. so pretty full on, pretty full wow. on in this uh, field. It's been great. I mean, I love that you really want to transform people. And you know, the idea of unity is a beautiful concept sure. where we can all be uh, united and uh, you know have that universal intelligence you know, yeah. through us. And love, like you said, right? Love. Yeah. It's the ultimate force. Yeah, and Love University. That's what we're talking about. I love it. And I love that you embrace this and we're open to the idea again, because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily part of the conventional norm, you know, even terms right. within spiritual circles. And so I think it takes a lot to kind of. Right. There are many paths, but uh, ideas. exactly. Well, you know, in the Hindu religion and other religions, they talk about uh, Bhatki, which is the path of compassion, mm-hmm. uh, karma, and also the path of duty. So there are different paths. Even the path of pleasure, some people go through. Right. But then, you know, each path has a certain, you know, journey point. Mm-hmm. But the key is to be open to the travel and to the I journey. Like so, again, uh, Dr. Alex Avid, Love University. If you want to talk mm-hmm. to this uh, well, fine guest and hear more about it, you can reach us at loveuniversity.love. Write to us at loveuniversitylove at gmail.com. Call us at 310-226-8090. So, until next time, this is Dr. Alex Avila. Put away your notebooks, your iPads, your phones, and class is now dismissed. And go out and have a loving week. Until next time.